Welcome to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint Podcast with your host, Brad Johnson. Brad's the VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel, the largest independent insurance brokerage company in the U.S. He's also a regular contributor to Investment News, The Wall Street Journal, and other industry publications. Thanks for joining. My name is Brad Johnson, and I'm the VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel. In each episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint Podcast, it's my goal to distill the best ideas and advice from top thought leaders and apply it to the world of independent financial advising. In this episode, you're about to learn why every gift you've ever given for business has probably fallen short of the personal impact it could have made on your clients and prospects. I have the privilege of chatting with John Rulin. He's the founder of The Rulin Group, a professional gift-giving service that's worked with the likes of financial institutions like Morgan Stanley and Wells Fargo, professional franchises such as the San Antonio Spurs, Chicago Bears, Miami Dolphins, high-end resorts and casinos like Caesars Palace, Atlantis, MGM, and thought leaders like Darren Hardy, John Maxwell, and Jeffrey Gittimer. When organizations like these need to wow their clients or prospects with an incredible gift or experience, they turn to John and his company. In fact, the gift-giving methodology that John drops during this interview is so groundbreaking, his recently released book, Giftology, skyrocketed to number one on Amazon in the customer service category. After re-listening to the audio to grab some highlights for you guys, I'm convinced this show may make the biggest impact on your business of any we've done to date. I know that's a bold statement, but here are just a few of the highlights from John and I's conversation. We begin with John's journey and how it started with some incredible advice from a mentor that led him to become Cutco Knives' number one selling distributor ever. And oh yeah, this was by the time he was a senior in college. Next, I know this is something you as a financial advisor will identify with. Just picture your closet and the dozens of golf shirts from various wholesalers, insurance carriers, and other business relationships you've had over the years. Something I've got to admit myself, I've been guilty of. John uncovers how all of these gifts break the number one most important rule of gift giving. He also talks to how to fix this and where in the home is the secret weapon to an incredible and meaningful gift that unlocks the gateway to referrals and long-lasting business relationships. Here are a few of the other concepts John covers to become a black belt in gift giving. The one thing that every great gift should include, the best and worst time of year to give gifts, the most forgotten person when gifting happens in business, the biggest gift giving mistake people make when thanking others for a referral, and the word John uses to replace gift that will completely change the way you choose gifts and how you give them. One last thing, during our conversation, John made an incredibly generous offer for all you Blueprint listeners. It comes from his new book, Giftology, and it's called 10 Gifts to Avoid Giving Key Clients. Also, an added bonus, because gifting can get especially tricky with gift limitations in the financial services space, our team over at Advisors Excel put in some extra work and created our guide to gifting. Both of these tools are available to download at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash John, J-O-H-N. As always, show notes that include links to all the resources, books, and everything else we cover are available there as well. Thanks for listening, and without further delay, my conversation with John Rulin. Welcome, John, to the Elite Advisor Blueprint Podcast. I'm so excited to have you, buddy. It's, uh, it's awesome to be here. I'm, I'm really excited, too. It's always cool when past guests like Joey Coleman um, make the introduction, and actually what's crazy is... I guess without even knowing it, we were connected to some different people. We've done some work with our clients with Darren Hardy, and I know I think you've been involved with him some. So 
huge fan of Darren's and all the, the cool work that he does. So a lot of multiple connections going on here. Yeah, there's like at least a half a dozen. Yeah, Darren's a great friend and client and, and uh, Stu McClaren. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of crossover. That, uh, it's funny that we didn't connect sooner, actually. Well, here we are today. So let's take advantage of it, right? So, I would agree. Um, for those of you that have, aren't familiar with John, so John is the founder of The Ruling Group. And just so I don't mess this up, a company that specializes in helping companies develop and execute year-round strategic gifting and appreciation programs for prospects. Prospects, actually employees, clients, investors, basically whoever they want to give a gift to. Any so, key relationship, anybody that's valuable in their world. Yep. So this is, this is going to be a lot of fun today because I know when I look at our clients, the advisors we serve and advisors Excel is the same way. When you want to be that company that people just get that good feeling about, um, a lot of the things that I've heard and a lot of the concepts that you've helped your clients with, I mean, it's just going right down that, that wow type of experience. So I'm going to name a couple uh, clients just so people can get a feel for some of the other groups that you've worked with. And then we'll just dive right in if that's cool with you, John. Absolutely. All right. So John has, since all of our guys are financial advisors on here, you'll, you'll recognize these names. He's worked with Morgan Stanley, Raymond James, UBS, Wells Fargo. For you sports fans out there, the Chicago Bears, San Antonio Spurs, Miami Dolphins. For you guys that like to gamble, Caesars Palace, Atlantis, MGM. So a lot of very cool all the vices there. Yes. All the vice I've covered, yeah. We've helped appreciate all pretty much anything, any vice in uh, North America. And, and then also some really big people on the thought leader side. So we mentioned Darren, John Maxwell, Jeffrey Gittimer. Um, so just first class organizations and people all the way around. So I'm curious because this is a very niche thing to go after, John. So can you share with everybody how did you come up with the concept of strategic gifting? I know you're writing a book, Giftology, that had just dropped June 20th. Uh, so can you tell us the story about how this all came about? Yeah, well, it uh, wasn't part of the master plan. Um, I, I didn't grow up uh, you know, near Harvard or hanging out in the country club or you know, rowing crew um, for Yale or something. I grew up on a farm in Ohio, so I'm a farm boy. Um, you know, not poor farm boy, like you don't have shoes, but poor, like, you know, your mom likes takes $5 and that outfits all six, you know, kids at the garage sale or the thrift store. So, you know, I grew up being motivated and, and, and wanting to go do something other than milk goats every morning and, and hoe gardens and, and, uh, you know, chop wood to heat our house every day. So I was pretty motivated to go do something and I got good grades and was going to go be a doctor. My mom was really into health and wellness. And so I was going to go make mama proud. And, uh, so I started a business to put myself through college. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, I fell off the ladder that I was working on twice. Um, and it's like this, I'm never going to make it to med school. I'm going to end up like, you know, the permanent patient, not the doctor. Like this isn't, this isn't working like part of the plan. So I started, I interned with a company that has worked with about a million and a half college kids internships. And um, they're really well known for their training. Some of the biggest companies in the world recruit from their pool of people and it's Cutco, the knives. And I had a buddy that did it and another buddy who was in seminary and and the most anti-salesperson you'd ever met was doing well with it. So I'm like, if Steve Wiggers can do it, I can at least try. And so I wore my glasses to look smarter, wore the one tie I had and, um, was was scared to death. I didn't really consider myself a salesperson. And I didn't know what the word entrepreneur was, you know, that's 16 years ago. 
So I went in, uh, got hired, and uh, fortunately, I was dating a girl at the time. Her dad was an attorney, and he's the kind of guy that like was always calm, could take time for a two-hour lunch, but every deal seemed to flow his way. Like referrals just seemed to like come all over the place to him. And I also noticed when you're poor and you're in college, um, he was always giving things away. So he'd find a deal on like something like noodles and buy like a semi-load of noodles and everybody the next Sunday at church would end up like this with boxes and boxes of noodles. And I'm like, Paul, it was thousands of dollars of noodles. Like, that's crazy. He's like, I know, but did you see the smiles on their faces? He wasn't asking for anything as a result. He wasn't using it as a ploy. He was just what I now call radically generous. That was his, he was always handwriting notes. And because of that, he owned oil wells, gas, you know, he owned banks, he owned all these other things because he always just, he was most top of mind. So when I pitched him the idea of giving away, I thought all of his clients are men. I thought he'd give away pocket knives that Cutco made to his clients. And uh, he leaned back in his chair. He had this silver hair and and, uh, he said, John, what about paring knives? Could I give away paring knives? Um, I, I, I'm sure I had this like glazed over like deer and headlights look because uh, he's like, John, you're wondering why. And I'm like, yeah, that's weird. Pairing knives to grown men. Like, and he said, uh, he's like, I found that if you take care of the entire family, the inner circle, everything else seems to take care of itself. And so I realized it was like that lightning bolt moment where you like, this could change, you know, like it really was a game changer for me because I realized Paul understood relationships and referrals and becoming more referable at a level that most people never get in 50 years of business. And it was about how to leverage what I now call artifacts and how to love on people well. And by doing so, no strings attached, he understood the psychology of reciprocity and relationship building at such a level that he never had to ask for referrals. People were coming out of their out of the woodwork wanting to reciprocate and wanting to love on back on him. And he was always top of mind when a business deal or idea came up. So I started to teach these concepts and I realized nobody in business is really like most people check a box once a year at the holidays and they, or they send a birthday card. They, they follow the same playbook. Everybody does send a bottle of wine or some chocolate and nuts or um, something at Christmas. And Paul was doing things year round. He was doing things that were odd and out of the norm. Like who sends thousands of dollars of kitchen or of, of noodles. So when he started to give away the knives, like I started to get access to CEOs of insurance companies. And I would find out the CEO of an executive at the sports team, uh, his wife's name. And I'd, I'd engrave a carving set and say, carve out five minutes for me. I promise it'll be worth your time. And I'd get the meeting and they're expecting somebody 50 years old to walk in and in walks a 22 year old. And um, by the time I was a senior in college, I was Cutco's largest international distributor out of 1.5 million in the history of the company. Not because I'm the best salesperson in the world, uh, because if you had saw me back then, like I literally like I was a little nerdy. Like I was I, um, I the idea of public speaking and writing a best selling book and and speaking to Google, like we just spoke at Google, for Google last summer, like things I never could have put on. I didn't, they weren't even on a bucket list or a wish list because they weren't even like in the realm of possibilities. That door started to open because I started to practice um, this radical generosity. And, and because of it. I, we now have 25 pro sports teams as clients and we work with some of the biggest guys in the world. I'm an Ohio farm boy. Like I, like I, it's, we don't have a massive firm, but we work We're we're experts at what we do because what we teach is the opposite of what everybody else does on a, on a regular basis. Well, John, I can relate to the farm boy. Uh, grew up in a town of 2000 people, middle of Kansas, but I, I I'm, I've got some insight for you. Yeah. Uh, Advisor Excel, middle of, 
Kansas, Topeka, people are like, what is an insurance <laughs> brokerage firm doing here, right? Yeah. That, I, those I, Midwest, I, I, yeah. Those Midwest values translate very well to business, which I, I guarantee you part of what led you to where you are today. No question. Yeah. The, the, just being down to earth and being able to relate with people and not forgetting where you came from. And, and, uh, um, you know, for me, for a faith perspective, like realizing that I'm not, it, you know, it's fun to get Forbes articles and whatever else, but realizing like, we're not as cool as we think we are. And like, that's uh, that there's a bigger picture. And, and, uh, at the end of the day, like, you know, I want to have a legacy that goes beyond knives and gifts and books and, and whatever else. And I got three daughters under five that, that keep me grounded and humble and a wife who's very strong, who does the same, but yeah, there's no question. I'm, I'm glad looking back now, I'm really glad I grew up on a farm working my butt off and summers bailing hay and all that kind of stuff. But at the time it was like, you know, you see your city friends like hanging out playing basketball or like playing video games. You're like that, that would be the life. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very grateful now though. There's no question. We, we talked before uh, we went live here and both of us have that in common. We both thrown hay bales in the summertime in a, in a shed with absolutely no ventilation where the hay dust is sticking all over you. It's just, everybody should experience that once, right? Yeah. The hay mile, the, 100, the 120 degree hay mile that, that you almost can't breathe, but you're expected <laughs> to throw bales over your head. Yeah. It's, uh, I would go back and do it for an hour just, just for kicks and giggles. It's like when you, when you can go test something at, and it's for fun, not for like every day, all day. Um, but I don't miss that. I don't, I don't miss it. I think we just came up with an idea for a boot camp for kids that can't behave maybe. So maybe, maybe a future shark tank idea there. I think so, that's possible. <laughs> all right. We'll stay focused here. Um, so uh, along the gift giving um, and I, prior to you sending over this piece of paper that, that you've made available to everyone on the call here. We, so we've got a PDF um, 10 gifts to avoid giving key clients. I thought I was a pretty good gift giver. And then you sent me this and it just ruined my day. So <laughs> it, it's not meant to be mean or critical, <laughs> but it is meant to be, you know, a helpfully candid. Um, cause most people, I think guys in particular, I think, I don't know if, if your wife is this way, but even, even my wife, when we go to a wedding or whatever else, she's, she's very thoughtful when it comes to gifts and guys like, you know, you'll get your MBA. Is there a gifting class? Like when's the last time you like saw a book on gifting? Like nobody talks about it. It's like a nice to not a have to. And so everybody models what everybody else does and nobody else has been taught. So it's the blind leading the blind and nobody will ever write a note and say your gift was horrible. Like that's not nice. Um, especially in our Western culture being politically correct. Um, that'd be rude. And so our, we feel like our job is to be that loving truth of, you know, from our perspective and talking to clients and getting that honest feedback. This is what works and this is what doesn't. And he, and then here's why psychologically and, and business strategy, here's why that actually works. Not, it's not just a gut feeling. It's based on research. It's based on data. It's based on real feedback. Um, I, I, up until this point, I don't know anybody that's, that calls themselves gifting experts because guys just don't regret. That's not a thing that most guys just don't feel comfortable with it. So they just avoid it or delegate it. I, I think your term, I think this is an exact quote. If I mess this up, just set me straight here. Yeah. But I think your term was nobody says that you gave a bad gift and a thank you card because it's kind of like telling someone their baby's ugly, right? That's, yeah. It's pretty much on the same page there. <laughs> yeah, it's just rude. Yeah. Like that you, I, yeah. You watched a video uh, presentation I gave. Yeah. And I did, I, I shared that and half the audience laughed and half the audience probably thought it was mean, but 
but it's true. Like, it's just not like everybody thinks their gift is the greatest thing in the world. But at the end of the day, it matters what the recipient thinks. And because a gift is recipient focused, most gifts in business and especially financial advising, um, but pro sports teams are, are even worse. They, they make it all about themselves. They make the, it all about the brand. It's all about what they like. It's all about their colors. It has their logo on it. That's not a gift. That's a promotional item. And most of the time, especially in the financial world, when you're dealing with affluent people, do, do you ever see most of your affluent clients wearing like the free t-shirt that they got at the, you know, at the ball game with the logo the size of a softball? You know, maybe while they're washing their car, maybe. But in general, most people want things subtle. They want their own name on things, their own cuffs. Like, um, but for whatever reason, we think Marketing 101 teaches us, well, if we're going to do something and spend all that money, we better put our logo on it. And meanwhile, they're actually funding or devaluing the relationship of their client. That's not exactly what you want to do for your top 100 relationships, whether you're in insurance or financial advising or pro sports. And so... Most of the time when we ask people, like when you get a logoed shirt, do you wear it yourself? They're like, no, my wife won't even let it in the house. It goes to Goodwill. And I'm like, well, why are you sending out your logo on anything to your clients? Do you think that they care about their name or your brand? Mm-hmm. Most people would say they care about their own name. Like that's just like statistically and logically, like our own name is the most important thing. Why would you ever give anything out that's not personalized to them? Um, so that's, you know, I, I can go on and on and jump on my soapbox a few more times here, uh, pretty easily, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of our role. Uh, it's what I feel like our calling is. So, uh, Joey Coleman, who actually, who made the introduction here between us in a speech he gave for advisors Excel, he shared a concept that I think is huge that financial advisors mess up a lot. And it was actually, I think, a concept directly attributable, attributable to you. And it was the logo, if you put that on anything you send out, like you said, it's a gift for your company, not for them. I was just thinking about this because I've seen some killer gifts. Think of like a uh, wine decanter. And think about if I send that to you, I put Advisors Excel's logo front and center. It's going to be a really nice decanter, but you're not busting that out when friends come over. Which are all the referral, like you want to yeah. be conversation piece with people's inner circle and, and you want to become more referable. Like you want to be top of mind during those conversations, but they'll never use it. Right. They'll never pull it out. And if they would, their spouse who oftentimes is a woman, like they're not going to pull it out. So um, you spend all that money to have a negative thought in their mind, like, gosh, what a beautiful thing. We'll never get used. It'll never get used. It'll stay in the closet or it gets regifted yeah. or given to goodwill. So you spend money to have a negative consequence. That's just a double, a double negative. Um, it's better to do nothing at all, in our opinion, than to do it wrong. And so, uh, so can we take that example and let's say what would be, let's say you do have a wine lover. Mm-hmm. What would be the way to gift something like that properly? Well, first off, there's a, um, a lot of our gifts do center around the home and the kitchen because people entertain, they like food, family. I mean, you think about like even biblical times, like last supper was the supper was food. And like, even in 2016, when you want to, you want to, you want to deepen a relationship, you invite people into your inner circle. That's the home and eating. So doing things for the kitchen is really smart. Um, so a wine decanter like that, um, number one, send it at a time when they're not expecting it. Don't send it between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, they already, even if it's a cool gift, their conference table is ready to collapse from all the stuff that they're receiving, chocolate, nuts, wine, fruit baskets, you name it. 
Um, so give it at a time when it's unexpected. Um, I, I send out a quarter million dollars a year worth of gifts every year to our clients and prospects. I don't spend one dime, not one dime. I'm a gifting company. We've been called the Grinch. There's been articles in the New York Observer about us killing Christmas. A gifting company that doesn't send gifts at Christmas. I mean, you want to talk about heresy. Like anybody, most companies make all of their money in that four weeks. And we're saying don't spend any money with us. Because if you sent that same gift in the middle of March or in the middle of July or in the middle of September, now it's the one thing that they received and they'll cherish it. It's a handwritten note, a must. Um, if you are going to engrave something on it, maybe the, the last letter or the first letter of their last name. Um, Joey talked about, I don't know if he, he mentioned it from the stage or not, but he had a client that literally, uh, when he was an attorney, that three kids fought over $5 million worth of inheritance and they fought over one thing. And people were like, was it a piece of art? Like, what was it? They blew through the entire $5 million. He'll tell you when he was an attorney and it was one item that cost $20. It was a harmonica that the dad for 40 years after dinner played every night. It was the artifact that the kids associated with their father and they fought over that $20 harmonica because it was not in the will. It wasn't delegated to say, this is who gets the harmonica and they fought over that one item. And so when you can give something that people use in their most intimate setting in the kitchen this is one of the most and it becomes a part of the heirloom and the fabric of who they are. Now, all of a sudden, you take something that has maybe the family initial on it, and it gets passed down to the kids or grandkids because every celebration that involved wine used that decanter or used that opener or used that set of knives or whatever the, whatever the item is. Um, but all of the clients can afford what they want. So you have to make it unique. And, and putting somebody's initial or their initials or their family name Everything that we do, I try to engrave the spouse's name on there as well. So they're included because a lot of things that are given, especially in financial services, it's guys selling to guys. So we, so what do guys like to do? Well, I like to smoke cigars. I'll take guys out smoking cigars. I like to golf. So we go golfing. It doesn't include who? It doesn't include the spouse or the kids. Right. And in fact, the spouse or kids are probably in the back of their mind, they're thinking really another weekend away or another night away for dinner or steak or whatever else. So they're actually kind of bitter towards the advisor because the advisor's taking that their, you know, dad away for yet another boondoggle of a trip or a weekend. Not that there's anything wrong with experiences, but in general, when you can give a gift that includes the family and includes the spouse, you know, 80% of advisors lose the widow when they, when the patriarch passes away. And the reason is, is because the advisor has no relationship with the family. And so you must start thinking about like, um, the next generation of wealth, which is like 10 times more than what the baby boomers inherited. You better start de developing relationships with the wife and the kids because they're inheriting all that money and they're going to move it to somebody else. If you don't have the relationship. So a lot of our gifts are, are directed at like what Joey talked about, where they include the whole family they're personalized. They're at a time when they're not expecting it. There's the handwritten note. It's, it's, what's funny is notice I didn't tell you what kind of decanter you had to get. You know, that's the, that's the last, most people say they'll pick the item first and then everything else around it is kind of like ancillary. I, I talk about everything else that's around it. And then, then we'll talk about what the gift is going to be. Cause if you give the right product the wrong way, you completely cancels out everything that you're doing. All the good that you're hoping for actually gets canceled out. If you put your logo on it, you give it the wrong time. All of those details are actually what makes the gift either like, oh my gosh, they're the most thoughtful person in the world or, 
wow, they're just like everybody else. Let's go down the path of technology. Speaking of the right gift to give, uh, Mm -hmm. you, you shared an example of a few years ago, it was the iPad and how that was kind of the go-to really cool, trendy gift. Can you speak to your thoughts on gifting technology, the do's and don'ts there? Yeah. Well, um, a couple of things. One is everybody thinks that Apple is like, you know, one of the reasons Apple has $200 billion of cash is everybody like they have a, a lifestyle brand that people love. There's no question. Apple, I have an iPhone. I mean, it's right here. I love Apple. Um, do I ever gift Apple next to never? Um, and the reason is, is because I already have an iPhone and when the next one comes out in six months, I'll get the next one. But if you give something that people already have, they can go buy at Target, Amazon, or Walmart. Uh, so it expires. You spend five hundred to a thousand dollars on something that's gone, and they're onto the next version within six months. Uh, they already have multiples of it. Everybody else, even the car dealerships, giving away. You know, you come test drive a you know Ford Ranger and your Ford F one fifty, you get a free you know iPhone or a free iPad. Like when when the car dealerships are handing them out for free, free test drives, probably not a unique wow gift anymore. And so. Is it a practical gift? Yeah, it's, it's useful. But if somebody already has one, it expires in six months. Um, it's only for that one particular person, not their spouse and kids. You're spending a lot of money to have, you know, I, I look at cost per impression when I give a gift. I want somebody to have something for 20 or 30 or 40 years. That way, I even if I spent, no matter what I spent on it, it's the value over time. It, it actually costs me very little because every time they use it, there's an impression. They remember where it came from if you do it right. And, uh, and so I, I avoid, we, we do some cool headphones and a few different things that I think will last five or 10 years. Um, but we don't carry bows because you can go get bows anywhere. Um, so that even the brands that we carry are more unique. So if somebody wants to do technology, I try to talk them out of it um, and tell them that if they can't buy into that philosophy, they're probably not a good fit for us. But I think most guys are into technology. They love it. It's sexy. And so they shop with their own eyes and they say, well, Apple's a cool brand. Let's, let's give out Apple or let's give out Bose. Not really thinking through the implications of um, whether that's really a good ROI and, and return on investment for, for their firm. And in most cases, it uh, just becomes noise. Well, so a theme that I'm starting to hear through this conversation so far is a great gift should not be convenient. Because that, that, you think about Apple that's because, hey, I can go buy 50 iPads, right? And just blast them out around the world. Um, So as you get into, do you have a process? Uh, Maybe it's in your book, uh, Giftology. Is there a, I'm going to give a great gift. Here's the two or three steps that I think through to get there and make sure it's the right fit. There's actually 10 steps, but yes, it's uh, our entire playbook of how we've landed the Darren Hardys of the world and the Joey Coleman's and the Jeffrey Gittimer's and you know, the, our first uh, pro sports team was a, was NASCAR, Rosh Fenway. The, we eat our own dog food. Like I'm a small company. I'm trying to play and compete with these multi-million dollar and billion dollar heavyweights. And so I've had to stand out on a low budget, relatively speaking. I don't have $5 million to get a trade show booth at the International Builders Show, but I landed the largest builder in the country, D.R. Horton, because I, for seven years, I practiced what I preached in this book. It's our playbook. I, every secret, every plan, every question, how much to invest, 
um, when not to do a gift and when instead to do a handwritten note. Every giftology really is it, after people say like, John, like, why don't you put this in a book? Like, like I need, I can't afford you. Um, which is ironic because we have clients, you know, in the financial realm that, uh, you know, they, our minimum is 20 people. If you have 20 key relationships, then you're a fit for us. Now, some people have 2000. That's great. I love, you know, a few extra zeros on the end. Um, but in general, like if you have 20 relationships twice a year, then you're, then you're a fit for our, our model and our plan. But even if you don't want to, if you want to do it on your own, like nothing that we do is rocket science. It's all in the book. And so all of those questions, all of those, those, uh, those little details are covered in giftology. And so our hope is that people will, you know, only 1% are going to reach out to us and want to do it directly with us and outsource it to us. The other 99%, if I get people being more generous with their employees and more generous with their clients, I'm uh, that, you know, as my daughter says, my dad helps people love on people. Um, whether that's inspiring them to go do it their own or, or coming to us, either way is fine with us. I can think of worse causes in the world to be a part of. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, one, so one of our, you made me think of one of our clients, uh, a guy named Rob, he's actually out of Ohio. So maybe this whole gift giving thing centers in Ohio. That's where, where it started. I don't know. But he's got a quote that I love. He says, you, a lot of times you can't outspend your competition, but you can out experience them. And uh, he's a huge Disney fan and, you know, mm. at, at Disney and how well they've done all, so much of that is about the experience, the little things that they do. Right. So, no, no question. I love Disney and, and I've, I've done some cool experiences for people when they're at Disney. Um, so yeah, I think there's uh, there's no question that the, the gift should be an experience. It should, it should feel like, and it's not that you don't do ever do experiences like just strictly like golf or, but it's, how can you marry like in our, in our perfect world, it's doing amazing experiences with an artifact. So every time they use the artifact, they remember the relationship and the experience. That's the perfect world. So I love that you've renamed a gift and artifact, obviously purposefully going, going back to the harmonica story that you shared, what makes it an artifact? Um, well, first off, I, I had to come up with a word that, um, I hate, I don't use the word hate very often. Like our daughters, I say, really, do you hate that? We don't use hate in the ruling household. But I can say I, re- I despise the word token. Like most people, when they put a note, like this is just a token of our appreciation. Mm. And when would you ever say that a relationship is a token relationship? Never. Like you'd say this is a valuable, like, like the word token is, I don't know who invented that or what, how that caught on, but everybody used that. I'm like, it makes me want to gag. Like I just, I get this visceral feeling of like, when you give something, you know, you think about like biblical times or even, you know, a hundred years ago, a king would give another king a gift based upon the value of the relationship. Like mm-hmm. if I want to do, if I want to build a, a collaboration with you, I'm going to give you a thousand head of cattle or whatever based upon the value. And so I think of artifact, I think of something that signifies and represents something for the long haul. I think of something that becomes a part of the identity of that family and something that, you know, you're going to pass down, you know, air, you could replace artifact. It's maybe not as sexy, but heirloom, you know, when you think of giving something like when you go into a, let's say you have, unfortunately you have a house fire, like what are the five things you're going to grab before you leave the house? You're going to grab pictures. You're going to grab like, Maybe if your dad served or mom served in the war, you're going to grab the flag. You're going to grab artifacts, things that like are important to your family identity. And so 
I use the word artifact because like when I give something to somebody, I want it to become a part of fabric of what they, who they are, their everyday life. And so a lot of our things like the knives and the, you know, the wine decanter or whatever else, they're everyday items. They're not like, oh my gosh, I've never heard of that before. But most people in business give business related gifts and they don't recognize that they're, they're a person before they're a business person. And they spend a lot of time, their most valuable relationships are at home, not in business typically. And so I want something in the home. I don't care if something's in somebody's, you know, amongst the hundred pictures on their wall in their office. I care, do they take it home? Is it a part of their home fabric and identity? Because that's, uh, to me, that's a deeper level. And so that's why I use the word artifact uh, to describe what we do gifting wise. I think you just simplified the whole concept. It's what are you grabbing if your house is on fire? Uh, I've heard the term, you're on a deserted island. What are the three things you're taking with you? Um, I think that rule, that nails it right there. Um, Just meaningful, real stuff. Yeah. Tchotchkes is the word, I think. Opposite of that, right? Yeah, the exact opposite. Well, one of the things that got me really excited, I saw a picture of Gandhi and he, you know, like, guy that really looked up to by a lot of different people. Like he's got his priorities maybe in order, at least in some people's mind. And, uh, you know, he has like six things to his name and like a wrap, you know, he's got his like his tunic or piece of clothing. He's got like a knife, a a cup, um, you know, a, a book, um, like really like you boil things down, you know, Greg McDown essentialism, like, Oh yeah. We don't need, we don't need more stuff. So if you are going to do stuff, you better make it like be really thoughtful with it in world class or else it just becomes something that's going to end up in the garage sale six months later. And, and I, I don't think, uh, I think most people are looking for, uh, for more things there, but they are looking for more, more meaningful artifacts in their life. So you've had the opportunity to work with a ton of awesome, as we stated before, businesses, organizations, people. Can you share some of your favorite maybe they're campaigns, maybe it's just a one-time gift with a really cool note. Um, I would love to, and I know the listeners and watchers would love to just get a taste of, of some of the cool things you've done. Yeah. So one of my favorite stories to share, and I don't know if, if Joey shared this on stage or not, but, um, early in my business career, I didn't have a ton of money to like, just, you know, I was sending out gifts every week, but it wasn't, you know, Fast forward nine years later, like we're at a different position to do gifting than we were nine years ago. But one of the guys I went, I qualified for EO Entrepreneurs Organization, which is similar to YPO. So I know that some of your your guys um, are members of one of those two organizations. Great learning organizations, and one of them, EO, has about twelve thousand CEOs. So I got to Vegas in this particular event had twelve hundred. I'm green. I don't feel like I belong. I'm like, gosh, like, how did I even get into this? And I go to a breakout. And, um, the guy, it was standing room only and the guy had grown a company from 2 million to $120 million, got 5,000 articles written about him. And, and he was the COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, if you're familiar with that company, one of the best companies in all of Canada, I think number two to work for in Canada. And so I'm like, and I'm sure people, you know, your audience, everybody has like the time where you're like, if I could land that community leader or that one client or that one mentor or advocate, like it could change my life forever. It could change my business. Um, that was how I felt when I heard Cameron speak. So I waited an hour to get in line afterwards and I uh, found out he was going to be coming to Cleveland to our chapter to speak like three months later. And so I'm like, gosh, how, how am I going to stand out with this guy? I don't want to be a groupie. I want him to, I want to be peers. And so I, I said, Hey, I hear you're coming to town. Like great message. What, what are you going to do when you're in town? Um, you know, what, what's your plan? He's like, well, the dollar's really weak. I'm from Canada. I'm going to do a ton of shopping. 
like in the back of my head, I'm thinking maybe this is the angle. I said, uh, we're out. And uh, he said, Brooks Brothers. And so on the spot, I'm like, I'm a Jose Bank guy. What's your shirt size? I want to send you a shirt. And uh, he looks at me like kind of weird. Like, is this guy got a man crush on me? Like he asking a shirt size is a little bit of a forward question within two minutes of having a conversation. But he answered. He was polite. I said, what else are you going to do? He said, uh, nothing. I said, well, I have Cavs tickets and, and it's opening night. LeBron, you know, going to be amazing. Go out to dinner. What do you think? And you could tell like, like a lot of advisors, like most people's clients are going to go on a hundred dinners a year, steak, sushi, wine, whatever else. And it wasn't even like he was saying yes, because he had nothing else to do that night. Not because it was the coolest thing in the world. It's going to cost a lot of money. And uh, they said, yeah. And I said, okay, great. Let's, uh, let's connect. So the morning, I didn't have the kahunas to do it until the morning of the morning of comes and he starts texting me, John, I think my flight's going to get delayed. I, I'm almost going to miss my next flight. Like, do you want to cancel? I said, no, 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 take your time. Like whenever you get in is fine. Even if we miss half the game. So at that point I'd sold half my business about six months prior. And I told my CFO and partner, I said, uh, I know you think I'm crazy, but I, we need to do this. And he said, if it doesn't work, it's coming out of your draw, not mine. And I'm like, okay, fair. So I drive up to Brooks Brothers before five hours before he lands, and I put the Amex down, and uh, I'm sweating, I'm nervous. And I said, I, here's the guy's sizes. I want one of everything in the new fall collection, all the shirts, jackets, sweaters, pants, everything. And the junior sales associate's like, you're kidding, right? And I said, I wish I was, but no, I'm not. And so he, they start lining it up, and they run the charge. And I hand it over it's $7,000 worth of clothes. I'm like, oh my gosh, this better work. So I drive over to the Ritz. I'm like, hey, as for the GM, there's a, a VIP of all VIPs coming in town. He coaches some of the biggest CEOs in the world. Um, I want to do something special. Are you in? And they said, of course, it's the Ritz. And so they merchandised the entire room to look like a Brooks Brothers store. Sweaters here, jackets there, pants there. And so he comes in, he's like, you can tell like, he's just like one of those days from, you know, where like travel, like horrible, like why did I ever agree to this dinner? I'm downstairs having a drink with my business partner, scared to death. And uh, he goes upstairs to take a shower and he comes back down about 25 minutes later and there's a vibrance to him and his eyes are the size of silver dollars. And he said, John, a lot of cool people have done really amazing things for me. Um, I thought that the four seasons was amazing because I remember my name and had a bottle of water waiting for me when I went for a jog. He said, uh, I've texted pictures to authors, um, whatever you want to talk about for as long as you want to talk about it, I'm all in. I've never had anybody treat me this way. Now, fast forward nine years, like I've been invited to his 50th birthday party, his wedding, his, uh, he's mentioned me from stages all over the world. He's opened up doors with the president of Starbucks and some of the biggest companies in the world. He does, he's done things for me that I couldn't have done with $10 million worth of advertising all because I personalized that experience. And the kicker um, that I'll share, because people are like, well, John, FINRA and SEC would never allow me to spend $7,000 on clothes. And the answer is, you're right, they wouldn't. Um, but the experience didn't cost me $7,000 because Cameron came back to me and said, John, I'm either going to write you a check for 30% more than what I think the clothes costs, or you're going to tell me, and I'm going to write a check for that, um, because the rest of the clothes, he, I mean, he's traveling. He could only pick out maybe $2,000 worth of clothes. The rest of the clothes went back to on my Amex. He wrote me a check. He's like, I can't let you pay for the gift as well as the experience. He's like, what you did for me was the gift. And um, to this day, I mean, he's we speak on the same stage together. I mean, he, he's become the, the biggest advocate. So the entire experience cost me nothing 
and the rewards and referrals that have come out of that, it's priceless. Hmm. That's a cool story right there. At the time it was, you know, like, is he going to think I'm a stalker? (laughs) Um, So yeah, you're a stalker that put a lot of thought into it though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a thoughtful stalker. I need to, I need to register that domain. Thoughtfulstalker.com. Okay. So tell, tell me, tell me more about that experience. I'm curious. There was a handwritten note sitting there on the bed. What, how did you personalize that? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah, there was a little note that just said, Cameron, I know you would, you probably weren't going to have time to shop uh, with your flight delayed. And, and, um, and so pick out what you want and, um, and I'll see you downstairs. It was pretty simple and to the point. Mm-hmm. It wasn't eloquent. Um, but when you walk in and see all your clothes and you look at the tags and see that it's your size, I mean, we wouldn't even really had to put a note like, you know, smart people connect the dots. Like, Hey, you asked me about my shirt size all of a sudden all these clothes are in here. Um, but yeah, it was pretty simple and to the point, the, uh, the note it's, uh, the, the act itself and the way the room was laid out spoke volumes. Mm-hmm. So going to the, the verbiage, uh, going back to Joey Coleman, uh, who, by the way, Joe, if you see this, you crushed it at the world series and he shared a concept from you that I think he actually used with Darren Hardy to personalize a gift, Darren Hardy's wife. Yep. And, Georgia, um, yep. Yes. And the verbiage in the note was stellar. So do you have some tips with the do's and don'ts when you're gifting something really cool? What should you do in the note? What's going to make it stand out? And yeah, maybe, well, maybe even speak to the spouse because I know that's, that's what Joey did with Darren. Yeah. Well, I think the reason we target the spouses, I mean, you and I, and, and a lot of people that are in business, we get nice dinners, nice hotels, nice golf, nice everything. So the spouse oftentimes gets the worst of being in business. So, and Joey understands and appreciates that. And so, um, and I know that if somebody does something nice for my wife, I look like the hero. She, we're way more likely to do business, to go to dinner, go vacation. And, and, you know, she's my litmus test. If she likes you, then, then you're in, she doesn't like you, then it's going to be very difficult to do business together. It's just the bottom line. So, um, and women are more thoughtful typically when it comes to gift giving. So they, they notice the attention to detail, the packaging, the personalization, the note, but the notes are typically, you know, tied into just appreciating the fact that they're, they're acknowledged as a peer and as somebody that's oftentimes the rock behind the scenes, holding down the fort and allowing for their spouse to go out and conquer the world and speak and travel and run a business and whatever else. So a lot of the notes are just acknowledging what's already true. Like you can't be a great guy oftentimes without a great gal or a great gal without having a husband who's supportive. So the gift is really just an acknowledgement and the note is just an acknowledgement of, and sometimes we'll tie in the theme of, Hey, I, you know, I know that, um, you know, I, I know that you're one of Darren's, you know, special secret weapons and and his bag of tools and that, you know, most people don't, don't appreciate how much value you bring to the table in the equation of Darren Hardy's business. And so it's an acknowledgement of you're, you're half the equation, if not more. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times the note is, I mean, it's not five pages long, but it is, it's a, a very direct thank you um, and acknowledgement to that, to that fact. I'm, I'm happy to, to share um, with permission from some of our clients, some of the, the notes that we've helped them craft. Um, we do often help, 
the clients craft those notes. And sometimes they're thematically tied in. Like we're doing a bunch of gifts right now for financial advisors that are tied around financial freedom. And the gifts are going out at 4th of July around the country's birthday freedom. And so there's a tie in there and it's an American made gift. It might be a barbecue set or it might be American made knives or it might be something else that's American made, but celebrating our country's birthday and America and freedom. And most people's goal with working with an advisor is to have financial freedom. They want to have, and so um, we do try to tie in thematically when we can. We try not to force it. If it's if it's too over the top and cheesy, it doesn't work. Um, so there is a line, and we you know we try to go close to that line, but not past it. Because um, people, especially the wives, they like. I mean, you look at McDonald's, who spends a billion dollars on advertising every year. They always tie in thematically, like some play on words or something, because it's more memorable and it's kind of fun and. You know, we don't take ourselves too seriously with the gifts. It's not like we're sending out Louis Vuitton bags for ten grand. Like um, the goal is to to be cool, fun, playful, and engaging, but not uh, not cheesy. And that's a fine line. Well, one other thing that Joey mentioned, I think, in in the one for Darren was you also thank the spouse for the for sacrificing their time with their spouse with you. And so, in that in those instances where they're traveling or they're maybe out. To, for a business meeting to meet you, John, to see if they want to engage, you're thanking the spouse for the sacrifice of their time away as well. Yep. Right? Yeah. People's time. I think um, most people want to appreciate somebody for their business, for their referral. Um, I think giving a gift for a referral is the worst time to give a gift. And I, I bet you 80% of your advisors, like most industries, accountants and lawyers, hey, I got a referral. I want to send a gift it devalues it. It makes it a transaction. Then it's like, Hey, you sent me a million dollars in business and here's a hundred dollars Starbucks gift card. So your million dollars was worth a hundred bucks in the person's mind. I've gotten referral gifts from like it's a $250 gift card to my favorite restaurant, but I just sent you a half a million dollar referral. Like in your mind, you do the math. So a lot of the gifts that we recommend doing are just because I think a gift as a result of a referral, you should send a handwritten thank you note, acknowledge and thank somebody for, for the referral. Um, but a lot of times the, uh, the timing of the gifts, uh, matters and including the spouse obviously, um, matters, but, uh, but that, that, I don't know why that came to mind, but the giving the gift for a referral is just a horrible time to, uh, to send, um, any sort of gift. So strategically, if you wanted to acknowledge a referral, Yep. You would send just a personal thank you note that says, Hey, I really appreciate you thinking of me and sending so-and-so my way. Yep. Wow. Couldn't ask for a higher compliment, something yep. like that. Yeah. And then do a gift three months later, you know, our goal, the reason I think we get uh, more referrals than we can handle is I send gifts just because it oftentimes inspire the referral and attract the referral versus reward the referral. Mm-hmm. Most people have this idea of, you know, tit for tat, you did this for me. Now I do this for you. And I think that, you know, the book give and take talks about it. Adam Grant, like the reason givers are at the top of their game in every industry is because they're giving without any strings attached. And they're giving not because they got something they're giving because that's a core part of who they are. And when somebody gets a gift and there's no ask and it's, it was out of nowhere, it wasn't tied to a referral. It means 10 times more because it wasn't necessary. Like, Giving a gift when it's not necessary is when it means the most. When you give a gift out of obligation or expectation, it's like, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know how long you've been married, but when I show up, you know, to my wife and it's like, I'm not asking to 
go on a business trip or I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to get myself out of the doghouse, but I just show up because I just was thinking of my wife, not because it's Valentine's day, not because it's her birthday. Um, just because that's what it means the most. And in relationships, I don't care if it's your spouse or whether it's your best clients, the just because means way more than, than the obligatory type gift. So this is, you've kind of got yourself into a dangerous situation there, John, because you run a company about gift giving and doing these amazing gifts. How do you even keep that going with your spouse? I mean, that's got to be a ton of pressure. There is some pressure there. There's no question. Um, and I think that, uh, well, the book talks about it. I was a sucky gifter at home. I had nothing left in the gas tank the first probably three years of marriage. And I would not recommend being a gifting expert in business and then sucking at gifting at home. Not a real good... Uh, no, not a real good playbook. I didn't, I didn't follow my own playbook at home. But I'd say if you ask my wife in the last three years, um, one, it, it's made me just a, it's made me more aware. Um, and I, and I have to put effort in at home the same way I have to put effort in, in, in business. And um, it, it definitely raises the bar when you're the gifting guy. But I would say that um, some of my best gifts um, now are not in business, but they're at home. And I've gotten way better at that. So I think, you know, my wife, uh, she, uh, she's, she's a strong woman. She would, she, I don't know if she would say, um, I've arrived, but she's, she would say, um, I'm definitely way better. Uh, you know, I'm in the ballpark. I'm in the ballpark at, at Headed uh, in the right direction, Headed right. in the right direction at home. <laughs> no question. All right. So here's a fun one. Yeah. What is the coolest gift what is the coolest, least expensive gift you've ever been a part of creating? Um, For you or one of your clients? The coolest, least expensive. Um, oh, here's Well, this wasn't for a client. This was for my wife. Um, so somebody that she follows is a gal who's kind of like an outdoors. Um, she's like, her name's Georgia Pellegrini. And she's written a number of books. She lives in Austin. She's kind of like this... Uh, um, hunter, she, you know, but she's also like stilettos. So she's like my wife, like she could wear camo one day and then be in like a black dress stilettos going to like the Oscars the next day. Like that's what I love about my wife is that diversity. And so she, there's this gal who's written books. She's from New York. She lives in Austin and uh, my wife's been following her um, for a long time. And so I found out that one of my speaking engagements down in Texas was going to be at the same time that she was doing a book signing for one of her new books and so I took my wife's book who, um, that of hers without her knowing, and I took it with me on the business trip. And then I went to the book signing and got her not only to sign the book, but to, to make a happy Mother's Day video with me to give to my wife for Mother's Day that I would get back the day before Mother's Day. So she got a signed book from her favorite author and she got, which cost me nothing because it was a book that was already paid for. And she did a video. I ended up buying a book anyway, because I can't go to a book signing and not buy somebody's book. Like, right. especially... She was, Georgia uh, was so floored by the video. Um, she's like, yeah, of course, for your wife, you, you've came down here to like get a book signed for your wife. Like I I'll do it. Whatever, tell me what you want me to say. Like no problem. You know, so the entire experience cost me the time, the forethought, the planning, and maybe the $15 or $20 book that it, that I bought for, but it was really the, the forethought and energy. Uh, and I actually talked to my wife this week. She's like, what do you think the best gifts you've ever given me are? And I listed off a couple of them and she's like, what about Georgia Pellegrini? And I'm like, oh, I completely forgot about that one. Um, she's like, that's, that was really like, 
caught me off guard in a good way. It was over the top. Um, and it cost me nothing. It cost me zero. You know, jewelry. I've spent a lot of money on jewelry and other things that she loves, but that out of all the things, that was the one that she remembered. Um, so, you know, that's the one that comes to mind uh, when you ask that question of the least expensive, most impactful. It's interesting you bring that up because as you were thinking through it, I actually was starting to think, I was like, man, what, what's, what's some of the best gifts that I've given? And going back, God, we're referencing Darren Hardy left and right here, but uh, in his book, The Compound Effect, mm-hmm. he had an idea of, he told this story about a buddy that was always griping about his wife. And he's like, dude, your wife is awesome. You're lucky she's even with you, right? <laughs> and, and so he's like, just do this. Once a day, when you wake up, just write down something awesome about your spouse or something you appreciate. And so the gift was, this guy did this. It was, I think it was a year, might've been shorter than that. And then he gifted that to his spouse. You get a jar of these notes? A, a journal, a journal of, of here's a year's worth of every single day. I wrote something down I love or appreciate about you. Yeah. And of course, just tears streaming down. Right? Yeah, water, water works galore. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I've tested this. Some of my buddies that I've shared this with have tested it. Hands down, spouses are blown away. And nothing except for the time you put into it and the thought. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. People say it's the thought that counts. And I say, no, it's not the, it's the thoughtful thought that counts. Mm-hmm. Most people use it's the thought that counts when they're doing something lame and they want to check a box and guys are notorious for this. Like, right. well, I, I thought of you, babe, like you thought of me for all of like a half a second and you really you were thinking of yourself. Like when you do the thoughtful thought, like the notes or the journal or whatever else you're talking about, you know, like people are, it, in some ways, what we teach is very simple, but executing on it and actually being thoughtful with it is, is difficult. I mean, our pace of life is fast and we get distracted with social media and whatever else. And it's, uh, a lot of it is the simple things that, that really do impact people, uh, no question. Well, this whole concept, what's, what's intriguing about it to me is because of the pace of life, because of constant distractions of cell phones, social media, all of this, you're actually going down the path with your company that swims upstream. So when you do these things, they stand out 200 times more than they would have probably 20 years ago. Yeah. I I say what we teach is what our great grandfathers would have done naturally. Hmm. Handwritten note, you know, like face to face, you know, like doing the extra steps, you know, you talked about like a great gift is inconvenient and you know, our firm tries to make it as convenient as possible, but yeah, there is like, you know, when you go through the effort of doing something for a full year and that's the gift of every day for a year, I wrote in a journal for you of what I would appreciate. Like that's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and so, but those little, like, yeah, it's the old school stuff now becomes new school. It's like, I didn't invent it. I just have put it, taken it all together and aggregated it in this little, like, you know, here's, here's the, uh, here's the selfish, you know, shameless plug. There it's, it is. You know, it's, it's, uh, you read the Bible, you know, that Proverbs eighteen sixteen, a gift ushers you into the presence of the great. Like it's, I didn't invent that, you know, like that's Solomon. Um, it's, but it's simple. It's not rocket science. I love the title, by the way. How did, was this, had you already been calling it giftology before the book or it was? No, we called it, uh, yeah, that was actually one of the biggest, I don't want to say fights, but it was like one of the biggest struggles. Like, cause like we called it appreciative leadership. People are like, what does that mean? 
Um, we called it strategic appreciation. We used all these words that sounded cool to us, but other people had no idea what it was. And at the end of the day, we're like, we're gifting experts and we understand gifting logistics really well. That's what we are. We're a gift strategy and logistics company. Like, okay. But, you know, from a faith perspective and core values, like radical generosity was the title of the book for a good probably three months. It was going to be radical generosity. But then people were like, is it a book about charity? Is it a book about, you know, like there's a, a book called Radical Honesty that is very divisive for people. Um, so is it in that line? And I'm like, no. <laughs> And so I listed off like 40 titles and I sent it to the guys that helped us publish it. And, um, and they immediately responded back, giftology, hands down, no questions asked. I'm like, really? That's kind of cheesy. Like, nope, we're already using the term giftology principles, giftology strategy in our company about how we're going to love on our people and treat our people. Giftology. I'm like, so I started to survey people and some people love radical generosity. Some people love giftology. And then another company that helps people write books who I really respect, um, the round table companies out of Chicago and, um, the founder there, I, I don't know super well, but I just respect what, what I've heard about them. They helped, uh, Tony Shea write Zappos, uh, the Zappos book and some other things. And, um, and he said, uh, he responded to a Facebook internal Facebook post, hands down giftology. I'm really um, picky about titles. And I think this has legs. You got to use giftology. I'm like, seriously, giftology. But then the more like, I'm so grateful now, like, you know, now that it's out there and people are like using it almost in their vernacular, it's like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta practice giftology. Gotta, like it's, it's just become, I think it has the opportunity to kind of become a word that people use on a regular basis. Whereas radical generosity is cool, but I don't, I don't think it would roll off the tongue and become a part of the, you know, people's strategy the same way um, uh-huh. because it doesn't describe it. So it's um, yeah, it became giftology. And then, I, and then the, the subtitle Joey actually helped me out with, he's like, dude, what you teach is not just art, it's science. It needs to be the art and science you know, of using gifts to cut through the noise and develop referrals and deepen relationships. And I'm like, really art and science. He's like, we have research in there, right? I'm like, yeah, we hired a PhD from Wharton to do all this research about why gifting works in psychology. And he's like, Everybody thinks gifting is this foofy, like soft, no ROI. He's like, you've brought science to the table to back up your strategies. It needs to be the art and science. I'm like, that's long. And I'm like, fine. And so Joey pushed me into it. I'm, I'm glad that we put art and science in there too, because really it's not, it is art, but it is science. So it's really the blend of the two that makes it work. Um, so yeah, the title was actually one of the most difficult parts of the whole process surprisingly I would have never would have guessed it. Well, I think you nailed it, man. Um, I, when you, uh, when we were talking previously and you're like giftology, I was like, that is such a cool term and the stylization that you put on the title or on the cover there. Um, man, but that speaks to the circle of having a, a great peer group to bounce ideas off of too. No question. We, yeah. I mean, Joey, Joey actually looked at things and was like, one of your letters is a pixel off. I'm like, I'm like, like, and we had a professional designer put the book together. I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah, tell them the, the, I forget what it's even called. He's like, tell them that this letter is off this way. Da, da, da. Sure enough, they zoomed in. It was off a pixel. I'm like, Joe, how did you see that? He's like, this is how my eyes work. I can see when things aren't symmetrical. And, uh, and I'm like, you know, we spent like 300% more to make our books because we didn't want like, I told, I told you when we were talking earlier, like for Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk and these guys that are influencers or friends of ours, 
I wanted to create a book that was the nicest book anybody's ever received. And, um, and I think we've accomplished that, but with the help of guys like Joey, that could like be so nitpicky on a pixel. Like, um, I'm like, if anybody has any critique, I'm just going to direct them to Joey or some of the other guys and say like, they signed off on it and they're way more like, I thought I was picky, but they're at a whole nother level. So it is great to have the right inner circle. No question. All right. So this man, this has been fun. Um, so let, let's go a few different directions here. Um, what would you say the secrets as we talk, it's like all these collisions that you've had with just people that are really good at what they do. Thought leaders, well-respected business leaders, um, besides gifting, what is, what has allowed you to create these connections, maintain them? What are the secrets that, that have allowed you to do that, John? Um, well, I, I would say that gifting is our superpower, but I think that, um, I think we're really good at understanding, you know, everybody, even the most generous people still in the back of their mind have the question of what's in it for me in the back of their head. And I think that, um, if I had a sub superpower or something else that we, we kind of naturally gravitate towards is seeing the angle that allows for it to be a win across our board, their board, and maybe somebody else. So to kind of triangulate and say like, everybody can win here. This is like, even for our book, like there's some people that were, you know, that have poured so much into us that we're offering the book for free. Um, we're literally like, if they mail it out to their list, um, they send me the receipt, I'll comp the book. No questions asked. Um, and they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, you've poured enough into me. Like I, I, number one, more people are going to get the book now, which is a win for them. They look like the hero. We get people reading our stuff and we've even put a money back guarantee in our book that, somebody buys it within three months, they read it and they love it. They just want their money back. They can email me and I'll send them their money back. Um, if they hated it, I'll actually gift them their next book for free. That's how confident I am in the principles of the book. So like when I, when I told a couple so guys, if, hold, hold up there. So if they love the book, but want their money back, here's your money back. Here's your money back. It was I, my, I, basically my book of giftology was a gift to you. That's the thought is it becomes a gift for them. And I hope that they'll use that money and we'll donate it to charity or they'll, they'll, but they, the goal is not for it to be a stack of books with Gary Vaynerchuk and Michael Hyatt and all the other books that are out there that are amazing. I want them to read it and do something with it. That's the value. That's what will get me excited. When the people come to me and say, John, I, I had somebody I told an idea to in Starbucks who's an info marketer. Uh, and I, I shared a couple of things and he, he came out of the woodwork and said, I want to promote your book. And I'm like, I, I honestly, I, I didn't even remember him. And he said, I applied some of the principles you taught me and it's worked so well. I've landed clients as a result of it that I just want to promote the book for you. And I'm like, mm. that's, I, I never would have thought to even reach out to him. I didn't, I didn't even, I couldn't even remember who he was. And so I feel like if I can get people to take this action, there's a ripple effect of, you know, they love on somebody and model it and then they model it. And, you know, I really feel like there's an opportunity to create kind of a movement with it. And our core business of gifting is doing really well. Like if we don't make any money on the book, I'm fine. Um, and so the book wasn't written for money. The book was written for impact and we'll get some clients from it. It's not like we're like mother Teresa and they're like profits, a bad word. I think we'll sell a lot of books and make a lot of money. I mean, we've sold thousands already. Um, but the impact is what I'm excited about. So if somebody reads it and wants their money back and 
They, they email me and they can prove that they read it. They have to prove that they actually read it. Then they'll get their money back. And if they hated it, I'll buy them their next book and give them their money back. Hmm. Um, I'll gift them the next book. Because I, I, in my opinion, if I wasted uh, somebody's time, a few hours of their time, it was probably worth hundreds of dollars or maybe even thousands of dollars. I feel guilty that if you read the book and you think it sucks, um, I want to know why. Prove that you read it and I'll buy you your next book. I don't think we'll get anybody that will say that because I'm pretty dang confident in what other people that I respect are thinking about the book. But everybody does that and says the book sucks. Then I, I, you know, Amazon gets their cut. I'm going to lose money on the deal. I'm okay with that. Um, I, but uh, that's our money. If you go to giftologybook.com, you can see our money back guarantee and that's laid out there. And I don't know of any other author that's ever offered that before. It's a first, first on my side. I love the concept though. I, I think you're, I think you're safe though, buddy. The type of people that are going to be buying and reading this book, they're not the type of people that are, are going to take you up on that offer. They're probably going to call you up and say, send me a box more of these. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think giftology attracts a lot of takers. Um, but if somebody wants to take advantage of that, I'm, I, uh, I don't, I would much rather, you know, like Jay Bear talks about hugging your haters. You know, he's one of the top customer experience guys. Um, and, uh, you know, we're talking to him about becoming a client. We got introduced through some friends and, and, uh, he talked about, you know, the one star people out there that give you one star on Amazon. Like here's some ideas on how to hug them. And I'm like, wait, I'm not even going to wait till they give me the one star. Like I'm going to offer it right up front. You hate the book. You know, I'm going to buy you your next book period. Um, so at least they have to put it in their bad comment. It's like, I hated the book, but the guy gave me my money back and sent me money for a new book to buy. So, yeah, I'm, well, I'm not even gonna send their money back. Just tell me what you want on Amazon and I'll send you the books. So you don't have to worry about ordering it. Just say, I want Gary V's new book or I want Seth Godin's new book. Yeah. So <laughs> that easy, that easy. Um, all right. So we've got about 15 minutes here. Um, Couple okay, so here here's where I want to go first, and then we'll we'll end this with some rapid fire questions, which would be fun. Yeah, so, put me on the hot seat. Perfect. Uh, so you've had some really cool clients from a sports standpoint, and we were talking before you're a huge Cleveland sports fan, which you know I, I'm cheering for you, buddy. So we'll hope <laughs> it turns out all right. Um, any any cool gifts along the sports front, the Bears, the Spurs? dolphins, uh, just, or maybe some cool stories just as you were working with those organizations on the way they thought now, were these gifts for season ticket holders? What, who were they? Who was their market? Yeah. People are like, Oh, you get, you know, the, uh, the Miami dolphins gave it to their players. I'm like, Oh really? No, I said, no, that's not it. That's, uh, um, number one, it's too finicky. Sometimes we get called like, Hey, we're recruiting this person. Can we get some help? But 99% 99% of the time, it's the, what makes the business go in pro sports is sponsors and, and premium seating. Like 80% of the revenue that comes in isn't like Cardinal Stadium, the majority of the seats. It's the suites and the sponsors. That's where all the money comes from. Mm-hmm. And so these are all corporate sponsors, people that are making six or seven figures, people that are affluent. And they've already gotten every jersey on the planet. They've already gotten every... You know, like they can go buy what they want. So it's difficult to appreciate them when they're spending six or seven figures with the team. So one of our favorite stories, it actually took seven years to land, was the Cubs. And, you know, being in St. Louis, 
people are like, really, you work with the Cubs before you work with the Cardinals? And I'm like, well, I sat down with the DeWitts and um, presented them with some ideas, but they, they, uh, they're first class and everything other than gifting, unfortunately. Um, so I, and I've told them that I'm like, you guys are amazing. I can't believe you're letting gifting go this direction, but uh, we'll work with the blues and some of the other St. Louis teams mm-hmm. work with the Rams before they ditched us and headed to LA. But the Cubs came to us and said, we have this really strong challenge. We're redoing Wrigley field. And um, it's an iconic structure. People come from all over the world to, to watch a game at Wrigley. We're remodeling it and we're remodeling the locker room. And there's this wood that's, historic wood that we want to make a gift out of because we want it to be like a artifact. They, they love the artifact idea. And, um, and so I said, well, what if we did like a, a, like a speaker out of the wood? Would that be They're like, yeah, that'd be amazing. Like something that would last and be a speaker. And so we went to the speaker company, this boutique speaker company and said, Hey, we have this wood that we want to use. And they're like, we can't make it. the wood beaten up. It's, it's damaged. It's like, so we went to our own supplier. We actually own our own manufacturing company now. And, uh, and went to the guys there and said, here's the wood. Can we make speakers out of it? And they said, we'll figure it out. So we had to re-glue this wood together to create molds. And we created, if you go to our, go to rulinggroup.com, you can see the Bluetooth speakers. There's 400 of them that we created that were all individually numbered that are made out of Wrigley Field locker room wood. Hmm. And all their 400 most important relationships got one of these speakers. Now, the funny part is they came back and said, John, the response is so amazing. What the heck are we going to do next year? <laughs> I said, well, if you send me material from whatever else you're working on, we'll figure something out. But uh, give me more than a few months notice and we'll create something else. But it was it was one of those kind of projects that came together in like less than two months. Um, but to be a part of that kind of project was just, I mean, dream come true. It was awesome. So now they have to constantly remodel every year just so they can provide material for your gifting programs that you've started. Hey, I, I, that's, uh, it creates continuity for us. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm game. I'm totally game. I see game. where you're going with this. Just you, you started. Yeah. Sorry, guys. You're locked into this deal. Yeah, the hook, line, and <laughs> sinker. No, I, I mean, it's, it's an honor to be able to work with iconic sports. You know, being a, you know, a guy who loves sports and, and uh, it's just a kind of a dream come true to have to have your fingerprints on things that are going out to, you know, millionaire and billionaire type guys. It's pretty, pretty fun. And mm-hmm. yeah, just pretty ridiculous. So. All right, buddy, you ready for the hot seat? Absolutely. Yeah. We have 10 minutes. This is my, this is, this is the most fun I have. Um, I've, I've gotten some of the most profound answers from guests during this section. So um, I'll start with this one. When you hear the word successful, who's the first person you think of and why? Um, I think of my mentor, Paul, who taught me a lot of the radical generosity principles that uh, he's got a great family, um, well-respected in the community, um, lived a great life. And uh, I think the people who know him, I think of people like him, who the people that are closest to him, respect him and love him the most. And I think that a lot of times successful people, it's the opposite. Like they're mm-hmm. respected by people from afar, but the people that are closest to them hate them, don't like them, don't have a close relationship with them. And so um, when I think about building success, like I want my wife, my kids, my neighbor, um, people who know my employees, the people who are spend the most time with me, love and respect me the most. Um, yes, I want to sell a lot of books. Yes, I want to grow a company that has international impact, but not at the sacrifice of the inner, of having that inner circle um, 
have had that in, impact on the inner circle. Mm-hmm. It's uh, that's, that's strong because a lot of times you see successful business people, it's that whole balance thing, right? And they've just poured all their energy into the business side where the tank's empty when they get home and those relationships that should truly matter the most. And that it's cool you bring that up because that's what it's all about in the end. You know, do you, do you want a business that you serve or a, a business that serves you so you can actually go do all this stuff that really matters in life? Yeah, it's easy to get caught up in the, and I, you know, I struggle with the same thing, like another speaking engagement, another, you know, Forbes article, another whatever. And at the end of the day, like it's, uh, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to say, I wish I sold another 500 books. Mm-hmm. There's not, you're not going to say, I wish I closed another deal. Um, not that we shouldn't work hard and, you know, pour, you know, a lot into our, our work and really believe in it. But at the end of the day, like I, uh, I've, sh- I've, travel, you know, my goal and I've continued to travel less and make those decisions of traveling less. Um, just because, you know, I, I read an article the other, or somebody commented the other day, wisdom that they got. And they said, you, you only have 18 summers with your kids, hmm. 18 summers. And then they're out, they're gone. They're, you know, college families, whatever else, like 18 summers goes by really quick. And how are you going to spend those 18 summers? I'm like, wow, my oldest is five. Like I only got 13 summers with her left. Um, my middle was three, you know, 15 summers. And I'm like, um, so I, like tonight I was, you know, I was going to go hang out with some guys to watch a game. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go hang out at home, you know, and watch the game from home. Um, even though I be great, what would I rather, when I look back, I'd rather spend another evening with my family and my kids. Yeah. That's what I'm going to wish I'd done. Hmm. So I always make that choice. I wish I could say I, I'm, I'm perfect at it. You made, you made the good choice tonight. Now, next made, week, it's going to be tough again. Yeah. That's why you got to <laughs> challenge yourself with good people that, you know. Like, That's so that, true. Or that uh, So one of my personal friends, um, Michael Hyatt, who I know we've got some mutual friends there. Yeah. I'm just going to share this because it goes right along with that concept. Uh, he, when he was building, you know, he was CEO at Thomas Nelson and the whole corporate world. And as he was building his, his business that he now owns and runs, he challenged himself. And this was a few years back, but he wanted to take a one month sabbatical with his wife, Gail. And so he's like, Hey, a year from now, it's on the calendar. I'm taking a one month unplugged sabbatical. And for you, this might be with your whole family, you know, and he said, one thing that was cool about it was it challenged him to build his business in a way that he was able to do that. Yep. And then going back to that 18 summers, it was okay. Now next year it might be two months. So he was basically then pushing, pushing himself to create a business that served him. And so I just thought that that was a really cool way that he did that where, Hey, it's blocked on the calendar. Now figure out how to do it. Yeah. Reverse engineer it. And if you give yourself some runway to figure it out, when you know, like the, we put the book launch at a certain date and like, we'd have loved to have changed that date, but you know, like <laughs> amazing when you draw that line in the sand, you're like, everybody's promoting it. All the, you know, like all the people are writing articles about it. Like if you don't have the book out and there's articles being written about it. That's kind of a, that's not going to look real good. That's um, a no, no. That's a no, no. So, so yeah, I think, uh, but giving yourself enough runway, so it's realistic, but yeah, it's amazing how your brain starts working on creating those systems and solutions when you, when you fully commit. Yeah. When you fully commit. All right. Here's another one for you. Yeah. Uh, I see a lot of books in the background there. I'm going to assume that you've read one or two of them. So 
if uh, you could pick a favorite book or a most gifted book prior to your book that's coming out, right? Uh, <laughs> what would it be? Prior to people buying a hundred giftologies and exactly. giving them gifts. <laughs> um, so I think the book I've probably bought the most of um, or given the most of uh, Matthew Kelly uh, wrote a book called the rhythm of life. Um, that's, yeah. that's really strong. Um, and uh, I've mentioned Adam Grant's give and take. I've been recommending and gifting that book quite a bit lately. Um, Why? Um, I feel like it, uh, you know, I, I, I focus just on gifting, but he focuses on kind of, you know, how to, what's the roadmap of how to have to be taken advantage of when you're a giver and understanding that people are tend to lean either as givers, takers, or matchers. And everybody kind of has their bent and how to work with those people. Um, I think it's really valuable if you're a giver, but I think it's really valuable in general, just to understand relationships and, how, because he basically shows statistically the best performers in the world and every industry are givers and the lowest performers in the world and all industries are also givers. And it depends upon how you give um, and how you protect yourself and how you operate, whether or not you're a giver that thrives or a giver that struggles. And, um, and so I think it's a really powerful book. It's research-based. Um, mm. And so, um, so yeah, that's, those are and rhythm of life is really, it's, it's kind of like the uh, Matthew Kelly, who's a friend and mentor and client of ours now, but he's, you know, in his forties, got four kids. Um, he just writes with the depth and wisdom of somebody that's like in their nineties. And, uh, he spent like, I think an entire, was it six months or a year at a monastery and, and solitude. He had, he had like, uh, he was speaking all over the world when he was like 18 and had this almost kind of like the doctor said, you're going to die. Like you're like, you pushed yourself to the limit. And so he went the opposite direction and spent time in kind of in silence. And he talks about how you can learn more from an hour of silence than you can from a year's worth of reading books. And, uh, he just has that kind of like, like sensei kind of like wisdom. Zen like present. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he comes at it from a faith, you know, a faith perspective, but I think you can appreciate what he shares in the rhythm of life. And he's written other books since then, but that's really, really deep book um, that I think is practical and applicable. Cool. All right. Last one. You're doing good, man. I mean, you're just, you're a pro. Uh, All right. So what is one piece of advice you can share that's led to your success? Um, So I saw this modeled, um, so I, I kind of created the quote, but I think it, I, I wit- witnessed it. So I didn't create it myself, but it was give more than is reasonable. I think most people um, have a natural bent to say, what's the least I can get away with? And they hold back. They hold back in personal relationships. They hold back five or 10% because they're worried about getting taken advantage of or looking silly. Um, I think the reason people don't do the Cameron Harold type Brooks Brothers stories is for those reasons. They like, wouldn't just sending a guy a shirt be enough? And I think when you ask yourself, what's the most I can do and put, take off all the limits and say, well, FINRA and SEC and all these other things, be like, okay, we're going to play in the rules, but let's just dream. Like what kind of events, if, 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 you know, if I was catering to Oprah and to, you know, like Richard Branson were my clients, what would I think about and do and how would I act and how would I treat people? And what would my letterhead look like? And 
you know, like our business cards and our, and our, our, um, our letterhead are made out of steel. They're, I, I spend $3. I don't see if I have one. Just, uh, wasn't planning on talking about it on the show. So it's, uh, so our business cards are made out of steel. It's cost $3 and our letterhead's $9. Most people would say, you know, has anybody spent $3 on, on coffee before? And people are like, yeah, everybody does it. Starbucks or wherever. How many people have ever spent $3 on a business card? Most people's hands go down. Nobody's ever done it. Same $3, but most people look at a business card and say, well, it doesn't matter. And I think the things that most people go cheap in, I say, what's the most I can do in those areas? Because that's the area I can really stand out and be different. And we did it with our business cards and people freaked out. And we some people will mimic us and do it. Um, but most people, they just can't wrap their head around spending 3,000% more for a business card. And so I think in a lot of areas of life, um, you can ask yourself, take, the, take the, the training wheels off, take the boundaries away and just say, what's the most I can do in this situation? That's pretty powerful. Even if you can't do it and you got to dial it back for whatever reason, it's still a fun exercise. And, and to your point of like Hyatt taking off a, a month, like most people would, that's not something they're even dreaming about. So it will never be a reality for them because they're not even, they're not even considering that it could be possible. And I think in a lot of areas of life, that's, that's the biggest step is saying, what if it is, what would it look like? What if I commit to it? What would happen? And some really amazing things have happened in our life as a result of that. And I've also like crashed and burned on some things and failed as a result of dreaming too big. Um, but it's why I've succeeded too. John, it's been awesome, man. This has been a blast for me. I mean, that's what's so fun about this is I'm just I'm just here, just having fun, and and then you know it's I'm getting all this profound uh, wisdom all at the same time. So, thank you so much for carving out some time in your very busy schedule to join us and and share the knowledge with with all the advisors out there that that either are listening or watching this. Thanks for having me, Brad. This has been uh, thanks for the great questions. I uh, yeah, this has been amazing. All right, John. Take care. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. This is Brad again. Just a few more things before you take off. Number one, seven technology hacks that financial professionals can use to reclaim unproductive hours every day. This is a free tool I'm gifting you on my website, bradleyjohnson.com. It's available right on the homepage and includes seven tools, apps, or other technology hacks I've uncovered in the last decade or so of consulting the top financial practices in the country to allow you to put hours back on your calendar. There's only one way to get it. Subscribe to my free updates and it's delivered to your inbox as soon as you do. Once again, it's available at bradleyjohnson.com. B-R-A-D-L-E-Y-J-O-H-N-S-O-N.com. My gift to you for checking out the podcast. Number two, if you've listened to a few of my shows now and enjoy it, I'd appreciate you heading out to iTunes or Stitcher to rate the podcast and just let me know what you think. If you have ideas for future guests, please share them there as well. Thanks again for listening. I'll catch you on the next show. This episode's brought to you by bombbomb.com. You may have never heard of them, but here's what they do. In fact, I've been using them in my business for well over a year, couldn't survive without them. So they take delivering a video in your clients or prospects inbox and they make it super seamless and easy. In the past, if I wanted to shoot a video, share an idea, concept with my clients, I'd have to go to YouTube, upload it, copy and paste a picture in my email, link it. It was just a ton of work. Therefore, I just flat out didn't do it. Now what BombBomb does 
it makes it easy. In fact, I'm doing this video right now on their service. Once I'm done, I will hit save. It will upload seamlessly on their website. Then I just pull up my clients or prospects that I want to send it out to. I select the list. I type a subject line, put a little something in the body of the email, hit send. It's in my clients and prospects inboxes within a matter of minutes. Even better, think about your inbox. It's crazy, right? It's chaos trying to keep up with that thing. Well, imagine if now your prospects or clients, they see your smiling face, they just see a play button, they hit it, they can now listen and watch whatever ideas you have to share with them in real time as far as face-to-face -face interaction as far as they're concerned, most importantly, on their calendar, not on yours, and it's not all the work of having to read an email that's three pages long. So guess what, it just flat out doesn't get read. So here's what to do if you wanna check out this service. My buddy Connor over at BombBomb, he's put together a special offer for you guys. So it's BombBomb, as in it blows up, BombBomb.com forward slash Brad. Go out there for a two week free trial to check it out. He's put that together for all the Elite Advisor Blueprint listeners. And by the way, they put their money where their mouth is. So if you don't like the service after the two weeks, you sign up, you pay for it. They have a 30 day money back guarantee as well. So once again, bombbomb.com forward slash Brad, go check the service out. I guarantee you'll love it. The information and opinions contained herein are provided by third parties and have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Advisors Excel. The guest speaker is not affiliated with or sponsored by Advisors Excel for financial professional use only, not to be used with the general public or in a sales situation.